Imagine all of your professional or career goals coming true, and you built a business that had a great brand and employed hundreds or thousands of people. But within a span of a few short years, it was completely gone. That's what's happening in American business these days, and we want to know why. Welcome to Brandology Podcast, where we discuss the rise and fall of great brands. It's your culture, finances, marketing, and leadership. It's your brand. Protect it. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. So welcome to the podcast. Um, Thank you uh, for joining. Today's special guest is Emily Downey. My name is David Morrow. Uh, host of Brandology, and Mark Mosher, my co-host, will be joining us as well. Emily, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, we really appreciate you joining. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Okay, good. It's 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 not bad for uh, for a for a very busy week. So, if you could just explain to the listeners kind of who you are and what you do, and then what your organization does, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, David. Uh, My name is Emily Downey, and I am uh, the president and CEO of the Woodford County Chamber of Commerce and the executive director for Woodford County Tourism. Excellent. So where is that located? Just explain to the listeners where where that's located. Yeah, we are located um, right downtown for sales. And of course, for sales is in Woodford County, Kentucky, right in the heart of the Bluegrass State, right, right in the center of central Kentucky. That's fantastic. Now, wh- why are you there? Like, where? what brought you there? Did you grow up there? Yeah, um, I grew up here. I'm a lifelong Woodford County and multi-generational Woodford County. And um, I started doing everything in Lexington and other big cities and actually moved abroad for a while for about three years. And what I kept um, in all my global travels and, and work across the world, what I kept thinking is, why not Woodford County? Why, why sure. can we not have the same amenities, the same... Um, access, the same resources, and the same notability. And um, I think that is exactly what brought me back here to plant my family and my roots here in my career. Excellent point. So where did you study abroad or where did you work abroad? Um, So I lived in Canada, lived and worked in Alberta, Canada. I worked in the Calgary Stampede, if you guys have ever heard of that. Um, But I did some MBA work at the University College of Dublin and did a lot of traveling in past roles. So that was in, in Northern Ireland? Yeah, uh, so in well, not Northern Ireland, um, but just there in in Dublin area of Ireland. Okay. Oh, so fantastic. not technically northern. Oh, okay, fantastic. So I'm I'm geographically challenged. I did live in London uh, for, for I worked at, at Lloyd's of London um, for several uh, on and off for several years uh, during the '90s. What I found there, it's interesting what you said too. Is that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, well, why not the Midwest? Why not bring some of this, some of the culture that they had, some of the opportunity that they had here, right? Because they've had, you know, our country's really young and they've had hundreds and hundreds of years longer to build what they have in terms of culture and experience and, and, and the life that one leads there um, compared to what we have. Exactly. That's cool. So, kind of tell us about uh, um, all of the organizations that you're that you're involved in. Uh, the The Chamber of Commerce is the main one, obviously. Is that keeping you 100? percent Is that got all of your bandwidth? I know you've had a couple other 
um, you've been involved in a lot of organizations, so I didn't know what, what you're currently um, yeah. focused on. Well, I just started with the Chamber of Commerce in April, so right in COVID. Um, so ah. you can imagine trying to start um, a new role in a position um, that's membership-oriented um, during a COVID pandemic. I mean, it has been interesting, to say the least, um, but it's been really cool because people are now more than ever actually relying and investing on these marketing and business development arms and this communal approach to business because what we're trying to do is create a thriving business community here through the Chamber of Commerce. And if all of those pieces and parts are working together, if we don't come together as a collective voice, if our government entities aren't working together, our community stakeholders, if our economic development um, team is not just primed for what's happening, um, and then, of course, in terms of health and wellness and all of those pieces and parts that go with a health jurisdiction um, to make businesses be able to reopen safely and to give consumers that safety net um, just in terms of confidence. So it, it has been a really interesting challenge. Um, and then my other hat is tourism. And of course, as you guys know, no one is traveling right now. Um, but Woodford County is so well positioned in the heart of the bluegrass with open spaces, a lot of green space. We're within a day's drive of almost 80% of the world's population right here. So we are um, with bourbon, horses, wine, all of our agritourism, we are uniquely positioned to be able to host people here. Um, we always have been, but I think you're seeing people turn away from those big city experiences, the New Yorks, the Londons, the LA's, Atlanta's. People are coming to unique quaint places that have been preserved with their history and tradition. They want to see those places. They want to experience those things. And that's kind of what we're doing. So and in terms of tourism, trying to help those businesses stay afloat and try to market what we have to offer and how we can do it safely um, has also been kind of unique, but it's been very rewarding to see the businesses. We've even seen some businesses open from trying new things and being pushed out of their boundaries through this. So how has COVID affected um, tourism in your Well, in terms of traditional tourism, you know, your package tourism, the bus travel, flights, you know, people are skeptical about getting on a flight naturally um, or going in big, the, you know, big group travel of 50 or more people at once um, or going to big experiences, you know, the uh, music and concerts and all of, you know, games and athletics and all types of things and experiences come with big groups. And um, we're trying to really find unique opportunities that are just very quaint opportunities that we can market and package around. Um, and then in terms of Kentucky, like I said, we're in a driving uh, distance to almost 80% of the world's or the U.S. population. Right. So we're really well positioned to market those packages. Well, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, the reason um, we're speaking is I've been down there a handful of times and it's absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful part of the country. Right. And it's just the people there are warm and welcoming and everything else. It's just it's a great place to visit. Thank you. So so um, tell me some of the current initiatives that you're working on, whether it involves challenges that you're overcoming to COVID or otherwise. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of really cool things going on right now, one of which is a um, kind of a reopening package. So in terms of um, being a marketing and business development arm for folks, we want to let people know that be, that businesses are open and they're safe to, you know, for consumers to come in and experience them or to use their services and products. 
Um, so we're putting together reopening packages, almost like a, um, a launch package for a new business, but this is gonna be primarily focused on kind of what it looks like post COVID or right now in that recovery rebound time of COVID. Um, so a lot of social media, a lot of digital components, uh, creating videos, um, and just helping to tell their story in a way that they may not have been able to, and to reach an audience that they may not even know was their traditional audience. That audience that was a traditional um, kind of database for them could now look completely different than it did before. People are shopping online, they're consuming things differently. Like I said, you know, people that weren't coming here to small towns now are. Um, people are shopping local that weren't, so locals may not have been their main target audience, now they are. All of those types of things are really changing and shifting, so we're helping businesses to understand who their current demographic is, what that looks like tomorrow, and then helping get their word out. And that's all through our Rebound program. Um, in addition to that, we have um, created some things to draw people into our downtown corridors. Um, we're working on an Economic Development Recovery Act. We've closed off streets on the weekends uh, for businesses to be able to have safe outdoor shopping and eating and experiences. Um, we created walking tours of downtown so people can kind of come in and do those things on their own or with a guided tour that's just with their small kind of corn team, if you will. Um, and then the, I mentioned the a Small Business Recovery Act. We're partnered with our city of Versailles uh, to give out grants. Um, so we're really working on using that CARES money that we got federally to disperse that out um, to all the different businesses that we need. Um, just doing a lot of things virtually just to try to uh, tell the story um, and be a point of awareness. Job fairs, we are one of a pioneer in, in launching a virtual job fair. Um, but there are so many How did you do that? Have... Do you mind if I ask about that? Like, yeah. How are you, two, two things. One, earlier on you mentioned outdoor events, concerts, things like that. First tell the listeners, how are you handling that right now in light of COVID? Yeah. And then and then um, let's get to the job fair, the online job. Yeah, absolutely. All the events that you see are, um, you know, many of them have been canceled, obviously, due to, to numbers um, and will be for their foreseeable future, um, at least until things start our kind of our current spike starts sure. to even out, I would say. Um, so what we're doing is we're just trying to make micro events, whether that be a wedding to a um, festival to um, a tour experience, whatever that is, we're trying to just kind of bite that off in micro pieces and then take a lot of that um, into digital assets so we can do virtual tours. Horse farm tours are being virtual, bourbon distillery uh, tours are virtual, shopping, online auctions. Um, but the really unique kind of piece of that that I think we have learned is people love to experience those things from home in the comfort of their own home. Um, and they have been able to collaborate and partner together, whereas two shops downtown may never have had anything in common. But now you realize that, hey, we can put all this online, all of us go together, and we all win. It's not in competition. It's actually cooperation. Got it. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying this episode. We try and make this a podcast which we ourselves want to listen to. We want it to be good. We welcome suggestions, ideas for topics, or even suggested guests to be interviewed. Help us make this something great. Imagine all the work you do every day being featured on a podcast which really emphasizes the meaning of why you do what you do. Something shining a spotlight on all of your effort. This is that place. This is that podcast. Reach out to our team with suggestions 
or if interested in advertising at brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com. Brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com for details. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And now back to the episode. That's great. So tell us about the uh, online job fair. How do you organize that? Yeah. Historically for, you know, for those who haven't been to one, but I can't imagine anybody who hasn't, but you know, it's, it's held in a community center, gymnasium, convention center, usually. Right. And, and a lot of different larger vendors or mid-size employers come and they're seeking for a number of different positions, right? In HR, Mm -hmm. recruiting, things like that are there. Yeah. Um, so I can't claim to be a genius, but this has worked out really, really well for us. By happenstance. I do all the time and it, it, it really <laughs> works for me. You know, if, if the, if, if, you know, the world makes way for those who think, who act like they think they know where they're going. That's right. Just keep going. Uh, to your point, though, I think that um, there is a connotation around some job fairs now where uh, people are put their own boundaries on themselves. If the job fair is not in their county or their town, they may not go to it. But yet you and I would work and drive 20, 30, 40 miles a day to a job. Um, They also may think that it's mostly manufacturing because those are kind of the large jobs that have a lot open at one time. So recruiters are, you know, kind of hiring for a lot. And, And those those types of positions have historically been in job fairs, whereas um, somebody that is just hiring for one or two positions may not invest their time and their money into joining a job fair. So what this has done was it allowed us to have so many folks who would not normally have positions in a job fair um, come, sound a ton in the medical field, a lot of senior level positions, um, a lot of still manufacturing, administrative, um, a lot of you know marketing and accounting, just a, the whole gamut in terms of um, broad spectrum of jobs that are available came to the table. We also were able to get folks um, who wouldn't normally come because like I said, their own barriers, whether that be time of day, they maybe don't have transportation, they don't think it's for them. Um, and then we had so many people who are normally their cheerleaders who wouldn't go to the job fair with their son, daughter, mother, father, friend, whoever, but they know that person needs a job, these people are able to tune in too and get that information and then help kind of encourage whoever needed that job or, you know, to take that leap of faith. They didn't have to go into a a room by themselves and try to meet people if that's not their personality type. They just had to listen. And then after the job fair, so we went through each of the employers, they were able to present and we shared all of that on social media live. So we have a broad reach has a lot of uh, shelf life, you know, it didn't go away that evening. It's still something we continue to boost and um, kind of repost. And then after that is where I said the real magic started because we use what I'm calling chamber concierge to connect folks with jobs and potential employers of their interest. And then anybody uh, okay. that a resume, we also shared those with employers so they could reach out um, and kind of pursue individually as well. Okay. So it kind of worked as a matchmaker. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you what, you know, a couple things. One thing we always ask is why somebody does what they do. Like you speak about the area that you live in, the chamber that you represent, and you you do a great job. And you speak to it like you are, like it's part of you. So, and that's great. So why do you do what you do? Like, what is it that, 
gives you purpose, gives you cause. What is your mission, right? It's not just to recruit more people to come visit the area. That's the result. Why do you do what you do? Yeah. My community is giving me, giving me so much. Um, and, you know, it, it helped to raise me. It's raising my family now. Um, you know, some of the greatest characters that I've ever met traveled across the world, like I said, are right here. You know, they're, they're family, they're friends that have become family. Um, they're there when you need them. Um, and, and these places, it's, in simple terms, it's just home. And so I'm so passionate about it. Um, and uh, I think that it has so much to offer the world and I just want the world to get a glimpse of it. Um, and I, I wanted us, you know, my skill set in marketing and business development and sales, I wanted to put it to use for something that I was passionate about. And again, I'll just not, go back not to- Not just profit, right? Not just right. money for the sake of money. It's, it's, there's a reason behind it, right? There's a yeah. reason behind, um, there's a reason behind the sale, right? The sale is the transactional part, but really the point of it is to, to expose other people that might not know of the life improvement that exists in uh, small town America and mid-sized town America, right? Because that's a great quality of life that you guys have there. And, and, and I mean, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see that all the time. I'm from, I'm from Chicago, which is not a small town, but I grew up in the in the in the rural suburb suburban part of it right almost near the wisconsin border and then my whole life has been in smaller towns my whole professional life has always been on the outskirts and then in, in real small towns small town indiana small town rural illinois and it's a different world right it's it's there's much more focus on balance and meaning and family and um, um and, and the point is, is the only thing lacking there sometimes is some experiences that you can only really get in a big town, but that's changing. And I think that technology is a big way of leveraging that change. Mm -hmm. Agree? I mean, like we can bring a lot of things globally to these small towns now that we couldn't mm -hmm. do 20 years ago. Absolutely. hundred percent. So let me ask you about that. How are you guys... Um, leveraging technology to kind of bring or drive people to you or, or bring experiences in. For example, yeah. what, what, what I mean is this, like I know that some schools, for example, can't or don't necessarily invest in a uh, Chinese teacher, right? Or somebody that can bring that type of culture, but they'll buy an online curriculum and make that offering available so that even if you're going to your local small town um, school or private school or school district, whatever, you can still have that experience of learning Chinese or learning yeah. Mandarin or whatever it might be, right? So how are you guys leveraging technology? Yeah, well, you, you mentioned school system. Our school system is actually nationally ranked and for such a small town, that's pretty big. Um, for years now, almost a decade, all of our students down to I think third grade and now with COVID, the entire gamut, um, but have had Chromebooks. So they've had internet access. You're very, um, while we're a rural state, um, you know, in a kind of a rural little community here, we are really focused on broadband and making sure that connectivity is there. Those, you know, resources are there for students and, and for adults to get that kind of connectivity. Um, same with downtown Versailles where, and Midway, we're working on um, 
getting downtown Wi-Fi because what we want to do is attract entrepreneurs. We want to attract remote work. We want to have we work spaces where people can come and do any job anywhere they need. Um, and then also having some of those amenities, you know, the coffee shops and, um, you know, the, just the types of amenities that people bring professionals out. I know that, you know, we know a Starbucks on every corner, but if you don't have a home office and you don't really want to invest in that infrastructure, you don't really need that, you will go work from a library or a coffee shop or some public space um, every now and then. And so what we want to do is make sure that we have those amenities. That's what we're trying to invest in right now, um, both in our two cities of Midway and Versailles, and then of course, Rollbot brand across um, all of, you know, Woodford County. That's excellent. That's fantastic. So let me, let me ask you this then. When you were growing up, what events changed your life or what people inspired you or influenced you to kind of have this passion? Yeah. Well, my grandmother's a rambler. She would uh, pick up and go anywhere. She took us um, everywhere okay. that she could. My, my grandmother. You're my grandmother. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, she didn't, she hardly had two nickels rubbed together, but you better believe that if she got enough money, she was taking all of us um, and my family on some sort of road trip to see whatever we've been learning about or studying about. So I traveled to many different states in the U.S. Um, kind of under her wing and, of course, you know, my parents took us on a lot of trips as well. And I have a friend who said, um, you know, it's kind of like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, the more you travel, the more you realize you haven't traveled. Um, yeah, so so I early, so I early on got a, a kind of that travel bug and I knew I wanted to experience the world in that way. And I knew I always wanted to give my kids those experiences. Um, That's great. And so after traveling and, and moving and I worked on a, um, for a corporate company for about 13 years, um, you know, did my MBA here and did some MBA work in Dublin, Ireland. And um, after I gained all that experience, I thought I just want to put that to work where I'm passionate about it at home. So um, my grandmother definitely, though, planted that seed because I think the more you do and the more you learn, the more you realize you don't learn, know, and that curiosity just kind of drives me every day. That's great. So part of this podcast is to shine a spotlight or to um, really illustrate, you know, leadership and female leadership, especially. So you got your MBA. Tell the listeners about that. Yeah, um, I, so I, I knew I wanted to do something, and I played with law school for a long time. Yeah, you don't. Um, do you don't. <laughs> um, but I knew I kind of wanted just to pave my own path, and I was afraid that um, law school would put me in a in two lanes that I just you know wouldn't be able to kind of get out of. Although I will say there are a ton of job opportunities. This is you know my 18 year old self going into college and then 22 graduating and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I. I wasn't quite aware of what all a law degree could do. So I would maybe say different things to that person now. Um, but I played with law school and I knew I wanted to get my master's in some way, shape or form. So I actually went to work right away after graduating and not knowing what I wanted to do to try to figure that out. Um, and then I ended up doing my MBA a little bit later, um, about 10 years later, actually. Um, and I went through an executive MBA program, and I would highly recommend this for anybody um, that is considering it because it was a joint university program with uh, University of Louisville and University of Kentucky here in our two biggest cities, Louisville and Lexington. So I got access to a lot of classmates who were from Yum Brand and Humana and a lot of large Oh, those brands. are great. Yeah, that, those are great companies, great brands, great companies. And 
And um, the executive MBA put me in a group of folks who were a little bit more um, established in their careers. So I learned a ton from my classmates in that conversation. Um, you know, it was a great education, but I think you almost learn sometimes more from the folks around you. So I wouldn't have traded that from an online experience, although sometimes, you know, those are great and kind of where you need to be in, in your life as well. But I had a really cool experience doing that. We traveled um, to different schools each weekend. It was kind of a Friday, Saturday, Saturday scenario for 18 months. Oh, that's a great, well, for 18 months, that's a long time. That's yeah. cool. Um, and then we did a trip abroad as well. Um, so it was it was a cool program. And then I did um, MBA work, like I said, at the University of College of Dublin too, which really helped with that international flair. Um, you know, I think sometimes as Americans, we live in our own little bubble, but you realize to your first point, they've been, you know, some of those countries have been established and have much longer history than we can even imagine. So just yeah, learning. We'll be much better 100 years, 200, 300 years from now than we are now. Yeah, we all get better with age. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Couldn't agree with it more. So yeah, that, that's kind of my MBA work. So, okay, so that's great. So um, would you agree that people can lead from any position? Absolutely. Okay, so what advice would you get? So you're a young leader in with a, with a great education. What advice would you get? to what advice would you give to someone 22 coming out with a I don't know a history degree or something that they just don't know what they want to do or an accounting degree and and they don't know what they want to do like what can you do to help these people become a success or however people define that in terms of a um, you know, making an impact that all of us want to make. Definitely raise your hand for every opportunity. Um, you know, whether they're paid internships or just projects or nonprofit groups or volunteering or whatever it is, um, you know, you'll still network by relationships. I mean, it's, it is still kind of who you know. Um, and so you'll find whether you discover new roles and opportunities that you didn't even know existed, whether you find a new passion, whether you find someone who can help get you in that right spot or open that next door for you. Um, it's still so important to have all those experiences because all that will build that resume and that network of people who can really help to show you what's next in your journey. Um, it's definitely a journey. So, so take it and enjoy it and enjoy every seat that you're in because you're in it for a reason. Um, but raise your hand for every opportunity you can. That's excellent. And, and I mean, that's something we've talked about in other episodes. And that is that we always tell younger millennials or Gen Z's, um, you've got to raise your hand because A, don't think for a second that older people aren't going to listen, right? Or take your advice. Like you have the opportunity to transform and change the entire trajectory of the company that you're with. Like you'd be surprised the meetings I've been in where somebody young comes up and like, well, I didn't want to say anything, but you guys are totally wrong. And you guys should be going this way. And lo and behold, six weeks later, they're going that way. Like all of a sudden the whole trajectory changes and never underestimate the ability to speak up, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other issue is if you don't, then quit complaining, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're going to accept the status quo, you're going to get 
well, you've got, right? Yes, so, absolutely. So, right. So, so we, so we've got to make to make an impact. We have to splash in the water. We've got to state our case. We've got to say what we want. Yeah. Um, it was interesting what you mentioned about law school because I went through law school, passed the bar, practiced for a little bit. Um, just found it wasn't for me. Sold my practice and moved on to business because I found law was more very restrictive and very you know the the type of law perhaps that I was in was more tearing down business. And I come from a family where my dad had nothing and built up a trophy and awards business. And I I have a passion for building things up, right? Mm -hmm. And the law, at least the part, it's not all law. But the part that I was involved in was really about tearing things down and holding people accountable and liability and stuff like that. So for me, I'm very passionate about building things up. And so um, you would have been a great lawyer. So, <laughs> well, thank so you. Just, your grandmother would be proud of you. Well, so thank you. That's really excellent. Congratulations. My brother went that route, so we got one in the family. Oh, okay. Always you always yeah. need one. That's what. That's yeah. the only reason I became one, frankly, is because my dad was like. Because I'm the youngest of three brothers, and those two guys didn't do it, and so he was looking at me like, "You're it, man. You've got to do it." And I was <laughs> like, "All right, I really don't want to, but I love you and I respect you, so I'll do it." And then I did it, and then unfortunately he passed away shortly right after I passed the bar, and so then I was like, "Okay, we're done." <laughs> I'm like, yeah. kind of gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna be done, but I'm gonna find business and go and build things. So that's cool. So what does the future look like for you as, as we wrap up this conversation, which is thank you so much for your time. Um, we've actually learned a lot from you. That's good. So what, what does the future look like for you? Like what? You know, what? I, I don't know. Um, I, honestly, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, all I know is that this community, um, this role is preparing me for something else and um, I'm excited about it. And I, I don't know what that is, but I'm keeping an open mind because you never know where opportunities will lead. Sure. For the time being, though, I'm going to make the most of this. Um, there's so much opportunity and room here to help others. And um, if I can, you know, leave this position better than when I found it and helping yep. somebody else um, either start or recreate or reimagine their business, then I've done my job. Yeah, fantastic. That's a great message. And, and I mean, that's kind of my role, right? Like we do cybersecurity and, and we protect brands. That's what we do, right? Because there are companies that have built brands over generations or built brands over 10 years or built brands over 30, 40, 50 years. And, you know, data breaches happen and trust is lost and brands get destroyed. And so what we want to do is protect them. And that's what it's all about. And so um, in my role, I see a lot of different businesses because technology is kind of a river that flows through everything. And mm -hmm. so we see a lot of businesses. It's almost identical to your role. Like as the executive director for Chamber of Commerce, you see and you meet with all of the business owners. You see all of the different businesses. And so you're able, you don't know where you're gonna wind up, just like I don't know where we're gonna service, where what we're gonna protect, but we just know that we see all of the different brands and, and, and ways to protect them. You can see big picture. That is so exciting because you start to see uh, synergies and collaborations and even amalgamations, which probably are needed. So you can help be a pioneer to make those changes happen. Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell us about your family, about your kids. 
You don't have yeah, to um, names or anything. You don't have to tell names or anything like weird. Yeah. Yes. Um, my husband William and I have um, a three-year-old daughter and an eighteen-month-old son. So we are Great. busy, um, but we have a lot of fun. That's fantastic. What do you guys like to do? Anything specific? We, I, like yeah, there's a river that comes through um, Woodford County, so we uh, um, have a house down, a cabin down on the river, and every weekend you can find us either by our pool out back or um, boating. And so, by some body of water, we are trying to stay cool and uh, have some fun. That's very cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of this, and we really appreciate your voice and uh, for the opportunity to serve the community. Thank you so much. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks. Talk to you soon. And and uh, the conversation is definitely not over. We will definitely be following up, and uh, we will be talking to you soon. Hey everyone, Mark and I would like to invite you to listen in on our two bonus episodes, a two-part series on the rise and fall of one of the world's most iconic brands. One man's vision where he recognizes the baby boom even before it was a term that was used. He grew an international business that was worth billions of dollars. In just a few years, it is liquidated in bankruptcy. It's not what you think. It's not due to e-commerce or anything like Amazon or other large retailers. Come listen and find out. We promise you won't be disappointed when we discuss the rise and fall of Toys R Us. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.